Welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and here's my co-host. I know his face. It's a... <laughs> a bit, bit of a paraphrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess if you said, I know your face, that would be a bit weird for our listener. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello, John. How are you? Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you how I am. I am glad to be back. Yes. It has been <laughs> a long time coming. We have been away from your ears for, well, I think actually over three months. So I, we do apologize for that. We, I mean, we won't go into any details, but both myself and Am have been sort of confronted by how I've been describing it as some um, pretty heavy life obstacles (laughs) (laughs) that have slowed our progress on podcast making. Um, But uh, we are back and we are both safe and well. We did receive a few emails and a a few messages on BoardGameGeek just with genuine concern for our well-being and we were very grateful to receive those messages. But we can assure you, yes, we are fine. We are good and we have been looking forward to recording this for a long time and just unfortunately... Real life got in the way, but we are back and we are raring to go. So, uh, so um, what have you been up to? <laughs> well, what's happened since last day? Okay, yeah, I won't go into too much detail. A lot of water under the bridge over the course of this summer. Um, and uh, I think the summer's kind of over now. I'm sitting here in rainy South London and yeah, it feels like I don't know. It's uh, it feels quite Lord of the Ringsy. It's, we, we, it's like we've had lots of obstacles. The weather's bad, <laughs> but we're back and we're going to drive forward. Optimistic, <laughs> exactly, I like it. I exactly. Like it. I've gone Samwise on. This. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone Boromir. I've kept my kept my faith. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Glad to hear it. Um, but have you been up to anything interesting? I mean, don't go into every detail but is there anything you want to want to share with the listener or, or um, do you want to do you want to just want to crack on <laughs> just forget it well i guess i guess in the last couple of weeks yeah let's keep it to that done yeah i've done yeah yeah so, um last couple of weeks i've done some kind of normal style stuff you know back to sort of pre-lockdown you know uh, so been to a couple of gigs which was great i went to a music festival fantastic loads and loads of people obviously and uh you know trying to keep away from you know the mosh pits i guess <laughs> there weren't really any mosh pits it wasn't that kind of thing but uh <laughs> but it was just great just to i think things are kind of coming back to normal now in some sense i think yeah we obviously still need to be a bit careful but doing that stuff i went to a football match so the first time i've been to a football match in 18 months whatever it was and it was just i've realized how much i've kind of just missed people and being around people really and it was um yeah so it's been kind of cool actually yeah. um how, how about yourself none of that no you kept <laughs> yourself locked indoors <laughs> um well actually no no talking about being locked indoors because i do genuinely like my own company and being inside and playing games and things like that but I do also really like the sort of the great outdoors. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very much a two extremes. I like the great outdoors and I like the greater indoors. <laughs> the great indoors. It's <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> but I'm not really a fan of like just popping to the shops. 
<laughs> you know, it's the, yeah. the sort of general going out is not really for me. But I do love sort of wilderness and being out there. And you just remind me that one thing I did do over these um, the past few weeks, like I say, let's keep it to that, um, is I treated myself to a new pair of walking boots, sort of hiking boots. I thought you were going to say like Nike trainers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're for popping to the shops and I don't do that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, no, and it, with, with the uh, anticipation that I will actually start heading out again as, as we get into the winter months as well. I wanted some nice uh, new sturdy boots. and But a prime example of how out of training I am when it comes to this is buying these new boots. Because I bought these boots, I brought them home, and of course you have to start breaking them in. Um, I managed to give myself a blister on my finger doing up the shoelaces. <laughs> How did you give yourself a blister? What are they made of? <laughs> Cast iron or something? It's like <laughs> I basically gave myself a rope burn with the shoelaces. Oh, uh, right. Okay. A rope. It's got rope. <laughs> rope laces. <laughs> <laughs> It's really thick. Like really hard to do that. A huge bow on <laughs> So yeah, I thought I thought you'd find that amusing that I've managed to damage myself with, with a shoelace. <laughs> um other than that, what else have I been up to? Um oh I tell you what I did do, and this was actually this is not in the past few weeks, this was a couple of months ago, but this is momentous. I finished my collection of Lord of the Rings, the card game. Dun, dun, dun. As in, I now own everything. I was basically, I was missing a couple of the uh, print-on-demands and I didn't have the custom scenario kits. So I finally tracked down the last few. And anyone who collects this game knows if you're missing odd packs, especially rare packs, you've got to search all over the world. And I managed to get a few sent to me from Germany and the last couple I actually got sent from uh, from the States. And we don't normally do this, but I'm going to give a quick shout out to the local game store that helped me in America because they were amazing. So I'm just a quick shout out to Eric from Stone Valley Games. I think it's in Alabama because he was amazing. We, we were trying to communicate over crazy time zones and he gave me a really good price on shipping over to Europe. It really went the extra mile to help me out. So... Thanks, Eric. You're a star. You completed my collection. And that leads me into the big news, Ooh. which I'm sure you're aware of. Probably not. But go on. <laughs> oh, I might be. It depends what it is. <laughs> so this very week, Fantasy Flight announced what the future of the game holds. Oh, okay. No, I don't know anything about this. No, I didn't think you would. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, so, okay. so this week, uh, Fantasy Flight had their what they call their in-flight report, which is when they go over all their upcoming releases for the next quarter, I think, at least, or maybe even half a year. Um, and of course, everyone was waiting to see, is there going to be any news on the future of Lord of the Rings? And here we go. This is it. So we're going to gauge your re- response to this because, I mean, I know my response already. <laughs> okay. Pressure. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's fine. Go on. Later on. So coming next year, there will be a re-release of the core set. And it won't be a version two of the game. It will be the original game, but it will be a core set, which basically they're saying contains everything you need for a four-player game. 
Okay. The, the, oh, okay. As much as they have given news about this, it's still quite ambiguous. So there's lots to discuss here. So they say everything you need for a four-player game. So I'm taking that for the fact that it's probably the core set that we know, but three of every card at last. Yeah. yeah. So then basically four players can play with a full uh, sphere without going, well, I've only got one... Um, Steward of Gondor or whatever. Yeah. No, yeah, but I think you get two. Well, well, maybe about. I can't remember which ones you only have one of. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you probably get four trackers. Um, four Gandalfs? Well, you, you get four Gandalfs. Oh, do you? I see, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. No, but I mean, four, not, not four trackers like northern trackers. I mean, four trackers like uh, yeah, yeah. threat trackers. Yeah, exactly. Um, four of those, more cards. That's yeah. probably, isn't it? Maybe yeah, a few maybe more tokens a few more tokens. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's the big news. So a new release of the core set. Now, it doesn't sound like much, but it does sound like that they have faith that they want to release this game for a new audience. That there is more. There is more. So other than that, the big news of this release is they are going to package some of the original cycles as complete sets. So wow, okay, yeah. So you buy one box for the whole of the what was the first cycle called? Shadows Um, of Mirkwood. Shadows of Mirkwood. So you get all the six packs, yes, plus the deluxe or something like that. Yeah, well, there's no deluxe for the Shadows of Mirkwood. God, you have not been on. Oh, that's right. uh... That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. You're right. So what's the one after Shadows of Mirkwood? Kazad Doom. That's this one. That's it's literally one. the one we're discussing. <laughs> so you get Kazad Doom and all six APs. Yeah. Uh, APs, yeah. APs, that's what I'm looking for. Um, yes, but you won't get the player cards. And what they're going to do is they're going to release the player cards as a standalone set. So you can just buy the player cards. Oh, so they're separating out quests from player cards, basically. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Now, oh, interesting. Okay. I think this is a very, very good way of releasing the game. Now, it gets a little bit more complicated than that. It's not as simple as they're just going to re-release everything. I'm going to bring up their in-flight report now because the way they word it is, in typical Fantasy Flight style, a little ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> is it the same guy who wrote the rules? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, just joking, just joking. (laughs) Um, They say, we also plan to re-release some, brackets, but not all, of the game's cycles in the same fashion as we are now for Arkham Horror LCG. So in Arkham Horror, which is another LCG, they are already starting to package up their cycles as full sets. So that's just what we just discussed. Um, With all the player cards in a player expansion and all other cards in a campaign expansion. Okay, that makes sense. But the the key thing here is they say, we plan to re-release some, but not all. Now, this has caused a bit of controversy online because it's like, well, well, which ones are they going to do? And then some people are saying, well, I'm still just missing one AP from this cycle and one AP from that cycle. So it would be nice to know which ones. Now, I think the reason why they haven't stated which ones is they don't want to start a bidding frenzy on eBay for if people find out that they're not releasing certain APs, those prices are going to go through the roof. And but are, did they say what are they going to keep reprinting the APs anyway? 
Ah, well, that's the key thing, isn't it? It's, it's great that you mentioned that because this is my optimistic view on it. Because I have a feeling that they might just keep the APs going, but also release certain cycles as these sort of bulk sets. And the reason is, is, is the next sentence. It says, this is all to help new players get into this fantastic game as easily as possible. Okay, so you think, oh, well, to get new players in, allow them just to buy a ton of cards straight off yeah. the bat. A full cycle, a load of uh, player cards. Great. I don't have to go and hunt down individual APs to get a cycle. I can just buy a bulk and off I run. But it doesn't say we're not going to sell individual APs. So perhaps they are only going to do Shadows of Mirkwood and Khazad Doom and... Um, uh, Airs of Numenor. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then you can just still buy the APs as well if you want to. I mean, because the thing is that I also noticed on the Fantasy Flight site, there is a lot of the APs in stock. There's only a very few of them which are not in stock at the moment. So, yeah, I, I do wish they were a little bit clearer of what they're actually going to do. But I do think it's a great way to get new players into the game. I mean, I think if you're listening to this, I mean, obviously, if you're listening, to, it's very unlikely that you're listening to this and you don't own the game. It would be very strange <laughs> to start listening to a podcast at episode, whatever we are, 20, and go, well, I don't own this game, but maybe I'll like it. I'll listen to the very latest <laughs> episode. So most likely you do own the game at this point. But if you know someone who's interested in the game that you love, definitely told them to wait. Do not buy this game yet. Wait till next year. Get the new core set, which is blatantly the best way to do it right now. Because, um, you know, you don't want to get the old core set with the missing cards and be forced to buy two sets. Oh, by the way, if you only own one core set, then this is a great time to buy a second one because... You know, those extra cards are great for keeping multiple decks on the go at once. Um, but then also for a new player, you can say you can buy this and then you can buy a full cycle. I mean, I have friends who have bought the core set and then have never bought an AP because it's just too much hassle to go and find all those different APs. And if yeah. I could say to them now, you just buy this and you'll get the full cycle. Off you go. And then you buy this and you get all the player cards that came with that cycle. I guess it makes sense because when they released it the first time, I guess a lot of work goes into a, even a single AP. For sure. Right, it's a lot of work in there. And so they were just released, one's ready, they'll release it, next one's ready, they'll release it. And it kind of, I think that makes perfect sense. But now, I guess the game is, in inverted commas, kind of complete. You know, Well, uh, I think this is leading up to them releasing more content. Oh. Do you think it's because that, they predict a resurgence in interest in Lord of the Rings when the upcoming Amazon series. I think they'd be crazy comes about. not to think that. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Our business now is really coming to the fore here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you if you do go online to search the forums about this, there are. I mean, most people are positive. Don't get me wrong, but there are people out there. It's like, yeah, but I only have this one AP to still find from this cycle. And I want them to tell us which ones they're going to be releasing. And I get it. I would also like more information about which ones they're releasing. Because it just it can do no harm to let us know, really, apart from 
potential scalpers on the internet trying to sell ridiculously yeah. priced APs. But I think we should try and remain positive and see that maybe they will just keep reprinting the APs as well so you can complete your sets and just see this as a way... The reason why they're saying they're not going to release all of the cycles in big boxes, for want of a better word, is just that they're just going to release a few to allow an entry point. And then they'll start making new content for people who are up to date and these new players going forward. And and I can see nothing but positives about this news. I mean, they could have just let this game completely die, let's be honest. There's plenty out there. They've done enough. But they really they really seem to have uh, to double down on it now. Okay, there's a couple of extra bits. Um, and this there's one I'm very excited for and one I think could do better. So- <laughs> <laughs> Master's report. Okay, let's go. So one I'm very excited for. A, a couple of years ago, they released a collector's edition of the core set and basically it was the corset as we know but with different artwork on the cards and it also had two different quests in there and those two quests have not been available in any other way you had to buy that limited edition mm-hmm. corset and not many people did one it was very limited edition and two people sort of resented the fact that just to play two more quests you'd have to buy a whole another core set again um yeah right and they are packaging up those two quests and releasing them separately now and it's going to be called the dark of mirkwood because i think it it ties into the whole uh the mirkwood because it is still a introductory quest now let's just just i'll just quote what they say here say the dark of mirkwood a long promised scenario pack I don't think they've ever promised it, to be honest. People have wanted it. <laughs> um, <laughs> containing two scenarios. The Oath, that's based on you. Um, and the Caves of... <laughs> Sorry, I tickled myself. The Elf. That. Oath. Oath, yes. I mean, I am a man of my word, just like them. <laughs> so if I make an oath, I will fulfill it. It, 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 it is indeed <laughs> spelt Oath. <laughs> but I'm going to refer to it as the Oath. Oh, okay. See, there's me thinking I was living up to being sort of oafish and not understanding what you're saying, but actually, it was you. <laughs> Pair of oafs. Um, uh, and the caves of Nibbendoom. Oh, Nibbendoom. 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 Doom. Okay, Doom. Oh, do it was Doom. Okay. They don't sound good. No. Don't no. go in there. No. <laughs> um, so they're going to be released as a separate standalone pack. That's fantastic. That's coming out beginning of next year. Okay. Do you know what has come into my mind about that? That's that's really going to mess with my filing system. <laughs> I've got them all basically in order in these different kind of mm. boxes, and I'm going to have to move all of them along by X amount and to slot those in. <laughs> I know, but it's 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 just um, you're not filing. Well, we'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll we'll do we'll because it it will just it it will be just encounter cards, of course, and quest cards. So they're just in boxes, surely. There'll be no player cards. No, no, I've got I've got mine all in those. um, What are they called? The long, thin ones. (laughs) Uh, Those boxes which you introduced me to. What are they called? Uh, you introduced me to hello fox please meet my friend em um those uh, ultimate yes. guard ones yeah, uh, archives 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 so yeah. i'm gonna have to shift everything along mm. 
Mm. But you know what? I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. <laughs> I might just bung him in the end. That's fine. <laughs> Done. <laughs> it, maybe it'll be the bridge of Nibum Doom. <laughs> that sounds like a song by the Eagles. <laughs> um, so that's coming out bigger next year. Okay, one, I've really scattered around this news. One last bit of news in regards to this. In that new corset, and this is the bit I'm, I believe, could do better. In that corset, they will be, everything will be the same as our regular corset, but they are going to add some new campaign cards, burden cards, and boon cards. Now, anyone who's already played any of the saga sets from Lord of the Rings will recognize the use of those words. Now, basically, these are extra cards for using quests if you're creating, well, as it says, a campaign. So at the moment, as you know, you essentially can traverse your way through a cycle, making new decks as you go, you know, because the game is free and easy and beautiful in that way. But there are certain rules, well, there have been certain rules in the Saga set where you can play it as a campaign, where you have to keep certain heroes. And if you do well in part one of it, you can get a boon. And if you do badly, you can get a burden. And you can basically, your game progresses as you move throughout the quests. Now, the fact that they are packaging, and that's all we know, by the way, they are there are going to be campaign cards, burden cards, and boon cards. So it, it seems that they're going to probably try and introduce a new way of playing through a cycle as a campaign, which I'm not against. It's great for new players and it's great for old players. It gives older players a new way to experience previous cycles and it gives new players just a fresh way of looking at the game. What I'm against is they're not going to make these cards available to people um, who already own the game. So, ah, no, that's a little unfair. They are, but as print and play. So they're going to make, I guess, PDF files available that you can download and then you can print out those cards yourself. Um, I find that a bit weak because those cards are being printed. So what does it hurt? I mean, charge me a ridiculous amount of money for it. That's fine. But I want the real cards. Yeah. So what I was going to ask earlier when you're talking about those sort of collected sets, you know, the whole um, cycle being together, was that's great as long as there's nothing extra in there which isn't in the, you know, the standard APs or whatever, but it sounds yeah. like there is something. I, I can't help but be a little bit cynical yeah. about that. I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I don't want to... First of all, I don't have a printer. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, I don't want the... Yeah, you're going to know what the, I mean. You, they're going to see what the cards are, right? Yeah. You can see quite clearly if something you've printed out on your, yeah. you know, A4 paper from Curry's, <laughs> rather than some, you know, beautiful thing printed off by the makers of the game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a bit. That is a bit budget, I think. However, I'll be honest with you. I think it's going to be so long until I get anywhere near playing through this game as it is now. Mm-hmm. That you know, maybe in 
seven years time when I've done that <laughs> will I want to go back and play them all as a campaign I don't know I'll, you know let's see when we get to like 2028 or whatever it is <laughs> no absolutely I, so, I, I completely agree but I mean for the collectors which we both are let's face it we have to just admit that we have a problem uh, <laughs> I, got, the, I, got, just, I must admit even though I own every single AP uh, not every single one every one that's in a cycle um, in a weird way I'm not that bothered about being an absolute completist about it. Like, for example, when we talk about the Nightmare Dex, it doesn't really interest me. Am I interested in playing for ones already in a campaign kind of mode? I don't even know what... I haven't played a campaign before, so I don't know what that entails. You know, but I guess when we get to that point later in the game, is it something that interests me, yes or no? I guess I'll decide then. Just another option, uh, I I guess. Uh, So I think my take on it is, I'll I'll worry about that when it you know when the time when the time comes. No, I think that's valid. And actually, the fact is that they are making it available. So, like, I've got to give credit where credit's due. They will make it available. So, actually, you can just look at it on a screen and read what the campaign entails and go, well, okay, I understand. And yeah, burdens and boons. Uh, do you need to shuffle them into decks and things like that, or I don't know how it. Well, well, in fact, we'll discuss that when we when we get to them, I guess. But do you do you need to shuffle them in and things or? Well, yeah, but it's it's tricky. Um, yeah, uh, let's just wait and see what they do. I think that's the only way we can really that would judge be, it. Like for example, if you had to print off some quest cards, okay, it's not great. But it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you can probably get around that. But if it's something that has to go either into your deck or the encounter deck or something like that, then yeah, then that starts to make a difference. To that point, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, and I just want the nice cards. You know, it's like yeah, I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you want them exactly the same thickness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's the big news, and I think I was right. That's big news. Yeah. So I think, on the whole, I think that's that. Yeah, like you say, that sounds really positive. There's new stuff coming for repackaging stuff. It sounds like, yeah, they're going to sort of reinvest in it. So, yeah, I, f- I think I'm with you. That all sounds very uh, positive. Yeah, for sure. And only time will tell what they do with these campaign boxes and, or cycle boxes, I should say. I don't know if they're calling them campaign boxes and whether or not they keep printing the separate APs or not. And, I mean, I'm all in favor of healthy debate online, and that's that, that's great stuff. And let's speculate what's going to happen. But what's going to happen is going to happen. So let's just see. And I think we should just celebrate the fact that our game, which is people have been shouting from the rooftops for about oh five or six years that the game is is dying, is indeed far from dead. It's uh, it's still ticking. And next year we'll see what they do with it. Excellent. And but. Very importantly, and I, I touched on this earlier, if you know someone who's interested in this game, tell them about this. Tell them to go out and buy this game because it's all very well and good that we, as current fans of this game, are excited by this. If new players don't go out and buy it, then they will have no need to keep producing new content. So this is this is Fantasy Flight rolling the dice saying, yeah, we think we can bring in new players. But it's up to the community to help them bring these new players in. So introduce your friends to this game. Tell them if they want to play. Just wait a few months. Get into the new year. There'll be a brand new core set for them. And then I think uh, then the sky's the limit. We'll see what they produce for us. Excellent. Sounds good. Does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs>
yeah. And I guess that's the next three months, right? So just in time for Christmas, probably. Oh no, they they famously always miss the classic oh, okay. classic <laughs> deadlines for before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I picture them uh, missing Christmas quite spectacularly, and just and about about February time is my my prediction. Okay, right. <laughs> no, but I think actually they do say quarter one, twenty twenty two. Ah, fair enough. Okay, cool. Okay, well, that was some big news for us to come back from, and that, that's basically why we've been off air for three months, is we were waiting for some sort of announcement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, well, I suppose we better move on with the main body of this podcast, which, if you can remember, <laughs> dear listener, we are up to the third quest in the Khazad Doom deluxe box. And that quest is, um, I've already forgotten the name of it. Uh, Flight from Moria. Flight from Moria. So if you have not played Flight from Moria yet and you want to avoid spoilers, probably best just to skip the remainder of this episode um however if you don't mind spoilers or you have played flight from moria then uh we're gonna start discussing it from now okay so oh and, and just <laughs> i will just state that i haven't played this for a good month i mean i did i will i revisited it when we were meant to a good couple of months ago and i played it a lot for about oh a month yeah, <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to record, and then live got turned on its head, and I haven't played it since. And now we're recording. I was pretty much the same. I think I actually played it before you did. Oh yeah, you did. And, yeah. then, and then and then you played it, and then I didn't. So I haven't played it again since then until last night. So I did have a refresher, and it all came flooding back to me. Luckily, so he says, "I swear, about to." Uh... <laughs> well, John, guess what I have in my hand. I don't want to know. Oh, the insert. Let's keep it clean. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's the insert sheet. It's the insert. Um, do you want me to read for it? I'd love you to. Time on a tradition. Okay. Flight from Moria. Difficulty level seven. Mm-hmm. To be discussed. Okay. And here's what it says. Barlin's colony ended in death and darkness. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no one had heard from it for a while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Barlin's colony ended in death and darkness. After paying their respects at his tomb, the heroes fought their way out of the goblin-infested seventh level, as we recall from the last episode some months ago, uh, and made their way down toward the gate. But exiting Moria will not be easy, for a shadowy form masses at the end of the hall, and fear and terror go before it. The heroes must escape Moria before it's too late. Uh, And then it tells you which cards you need to put the encounter deck together. That's all it says about the background. Then, after this, it's got... How many? It's got three additional sections. Okay. And I'm wondering whether it's best to go through these now when we come across them. One is about creating the quest deck. Yeah. One is about bypassing a quest card. Mm-hmm. And one is about the nameless fear. So maybe we come back to them as we go... as we Because a couple of them will come out quite quickly anyway, I think, so... I seem to remember, see, you're triggering me now, that the first thing it says on quest card 1A is create the quest yeah, I, deck. I, I, th- I think it is. I think <laughs> it is. So shall I, let's skip to card 1A. Okay. Okay. I'll, okay, I'll, okay, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll mix between. I've got, I've got them both here. So I'll conjure some kind of cocktail. Okay. So, <laughs> so card 1A, 
It's called A Presence in the Dark. Oh, what did you get me? <laughs> a presence. <laughs> I got you a book on grammar. <laughs> um, so here's what it says on A Presence in the Dark. You have discovered the fate of the dwarven colony and seek to leave Moria, but exiting may not be as simple as entering. <laughs> so, okay, that lines up what it says. So, set up. Prepare the quest deck. Ah. Okay, so back to the insert sheet. Creating the quest deck. It doesn't say prepare, it says create. Anyway, what it says, this scenario uses multiple stage two quest cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, when set up instructs players to prepare the quest deck, which we just saw, uh, players must shuffle all stage two quest cards together randomly with side 2A face up and place them beneath stage one. These shuffled stage two quest cards are considered to be the quest deck. Okay. Fairly straightforward. Yeah. Players, well, okay, so let me read through what what else it says. Again, it starts to verge on the spoilery here, I think. So uh, players will progress through stage two quest cards until they have won the game. There's no stage three. I would say won the game or not won the game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just keep on going. You win eventually. There's not really much point. Yeah. There is, there is no stage three. Quest cards are not flipped to stage B immediately when revealed. Rather, the current quest card is revealed only at the beginning of the staging step of the quest phase. Yeah. The only exception to this are card effects that reveal and flip a new quest card, such as and I, I won't read. Yeah. Okay. That. No. Fair enough. So, but to be fair, it's not really that spoilery because you get to this pretty much straight away when we consider what else yeah. it says on, on on stage one. So. Back to card 1A. So set up, prepare the quest deck. So we just learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. Add the nameless sphere to the staging area. Okay. Okay. Remove all copies of A Foe Beyond from the encounter deck. Then shuffle one copy of A Foe Beyond per player back into the encounter deck. Simple. Simple. Um, all right. Then we, do we want to flip over to 1B or do we want to check out what the nameless sphere has to, has to say for himself? <laughs> let's let's let let's let the beast have its stage. Okay. So the nameless sphere. So it's in the staging area, has an engagement cost of fifty, which kind of suggests you're probably not going to be engaging this guy. It has a uh, unlikely. I would unlike, say. Well, yeah. Well, you never know. You never know. Some strange things can happen. Card effects. Who knows what's going to happen? You could optionally engage. There you go. <laughs> that sounds like a silly thing to do. <laughs> As we'll find out in a second. So, um, it has a threat of X. He hits for X and a shield of X. Mm-hmm. Okay. The nameless fear of type, flame, and shadow. So, I think you kind of know yeah. what this is. Sorry, I'm going to have to pull you back there. You forgot to uh, mention his hit points. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't think there was much point about saying it. 27. <laughs> 27. Mm. Immune to player card effects. Oh, this answers, re-answers your question. The Nameless Sphere cannot engage or be engaged. Yeah, I knew it was coming. I, I set us up for that, to be honest. And X <laughs> is the number of victory points in the victory display. Okay. So you think straight away, well, okay, that's not too bad. As long as I avoid getting stuff in, in the victory display. Keep things out of the victory display. That's fine. So, there's the Nameless Sphere and also... You know, but just looking at the artwork, it's pretty clear this is the uh, the Balrog. Don't say his name. Sorry. 
yeah it's this but I, I love this artwork by the way it's yeah. it's more shadow than flame at that point yeah yeah he's, he's cool he's keeping quite cool at that point well he's in the shadow do you know why he's for nameless fear because he's so unapproachable no one's ever asked him his name excuse me sir <laughs> hi there what's your name what's your name he's probably really nice actually if you get to know him tim <laughs> tim <laughs> tim others call me the nameless fear <laughs> so that's tim so put tim in the staging area mm-hmm. okay then we flip over to 1b do it okay so you see there are no progress required to go through this and what it says is, as you leave the seventh level, the air grows thick and drums begin to roll from the deeps. A man-shaped shadow, yet greater, masses at the end of the hall and begins to head straight for you. Aye, aye, aye. A man-shaped shadow, yet greater. In size <laughs> than a man. I don't know. I guess, yeah, it, was, it kind of threw me when I read it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, this thing, man-shaped shadow yet greater, is heading towards you. When revealed, reveal one encounter card per player and add it to the staging area. Then add a presence in the dark, which is this card here, 1A, 1B, to your victory display. And it has two victory points, so straight away. Oh, straight away. you got a couple of victory points unavoidably in your display. And then the next quest card is... Um, whichever one's the top one from the quest deck which you've prepared. Yeah. And there, I'll tell you, what is it, seven of it, is it? I was going to say, how many have we yeah, got? Seven, one, two, seven. three, four, five, six, seven stage twos, which you have shuffled yep. and formed your quest deck. Alrighty. Well, straight off the bat, this is a completely different style of quest than we've seen before. So um, it's quite exciting, but also quite nerve-wracking. I mean, what exists in this quest deck we do not know and also what is important is uh referring back to the insert sheet there is when you flip over that stage two card i mean i think it probably mentions it also on stage two a it does so so all of them have the same text on them and the card is called search for an exit it says as for presence draws near, doubt and fear surround you like a vast shadow. You must find daylight. You must escape from the black pit. While search for an exit is the active quest card, only flip it to side 2B at the beginning of the staging step. So as we just got from the insert sheet. Okay, yeah. And just a reminder, so the staging step is, just in case anyone needs a reminder of it, it's after you've committed your characters to a quest, but it's the point when you reveal cards from the encounter deck. That's the staging. Yeah. So you will have quested characters. Before you start taking cards off the encounter deck, you will flip over your stage 2B. Yeah. So we don't know what we're facing. Exactly. So ah, Well, okay. <laughs> sounds easy. You basically <laughs> just need to get through one of these cards and you've won, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and so we know for a fact we have two threat in the staging area already because we've got two victory points on that quest card 1b but we have already revealed one card from the encounter deck as well so that could be a location that could be an enemy which has its own threat so at this stage you do know what you're facing as in before you commit your first heroes and allies to quest you do know what's up there in the staging area but of course you will also get another card from the encounter deck you just don't know what's what you don't even know what you're questing for at this stage 
Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, how are we, how are we going to discuss this? Yes, then? I was just thinking this. So, <laughs> so, um, is it worth looking at the different two Bs, or shall we talk about some of the cards which we sort of come across here? Um, <laughs> at some point, we do need to touch on all of these quest cards. Yeah, I'm wondering how to how we approach. It. I mean, okay. Why don't we put a bit of jeopardy in our lives? Shall we shuffle, shuffle the uh... shuffle them up and take one from the top? Now there are a couple which I think need to be discussed in order. Well, maybe maybe not, maybe not. Okay, because okay. when you play it, you don't know. Random, you don't know. You don't you know. So I've shuffled. All right, them. let's do it. I'm going to flip over the first one. Okay. Oh, have you done it? Sorry, did you want to? No, no, we've both done it. So that's double jeopardy. Okay, <laughs> but we'll we'll go one at a time. You go ahead. You reveal the first one. Actually, this works out quite well. So, the first one I've flipped over is Escape from Darkness. Okay, let me find so it. So this one, you need four progress to get through it. And the text reads: If there is a weakness in the walls, you can practically taste for freedom beyond. Oh, this is all right. And then there's some text here. It says: Abandoned tools gains refresh action. Exhaust attach hero to put a progress token on escape from darkness. Players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase. Progress tokens cannot be placed on escape from darkness except by abandoned tools. If the players defeat the stage, they escape and win the game. Ah. So this is actually quite a good one to start with, actually, I think. Yeah. So when you see that, you first come across it, you think, well, okay, so there's no way to get progress on it apart from with abandoned tools. I don't have abandoned tools. So this quest card is no good for me. Yeah. Plus I need you know if I, if I did want to make it good for me I've got to try and find the abandoned tools. Mhm. So to carry on your example you've quested, you flip this card over, you see it's this. You reveal from the encounter deck uh figure out how much uh, whether you've quested successfully, yeah. do whatever combat you need. Um I know, but figure out what you've, whether you've quested successfully, but even if you have, you can't place any yeah, progress sure. on this card. Yeah, and then you have a combat phase and you resolve that. Then you realise, well, okay, this card isn't any good to me. I want to get off this one. I want a different card. So what it says here is players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase. Yeah. So I'm just going to go back to the insert sheet, and there's a section there on bypassing a quest card. And it says... Players are given the option to bypass some of the quest cards at the end of the combat phase. Well, obviously, this is one of them. Bypassing the current quest removes all progress tokens on it and moves it to the bottom of the quest deck with side 2B face down. Yeah. Bypassing a quest is optional, and players may choose to stay on each quest card instead of bypassing it. When a quest is completed, players will either add it to their victory display or win the game. All right. So we got to get past this, as in bypass it. Yeah, so you bypass that. So you flip it back over. Any progress, which we don't have any in this example, because we don't have abandoned tools or whatever, you put it to the bottom. To be honest, though, if you did have abandoned tools, do not bypass this. <laughs> you know, not on purpose anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so I'm going to flip over the next one. Yeah, okay, but I will say, so that's at the end of the combat phase. So that gets bypassed, goes to the bottom. So now you've got stage 2B facing you again you'll 2a 2a facing you again thank you um you'll complete your round you'll start the new round 
pla- resource Resources, planning. Yeah. And then you go into the quest phase. You'll commit your characters to a quest, and only then you, will you turn over the next stage to be. And I will say, quite a lot happens with all of these stage 2B cards, as in there's a lot going on that when you reveal them, you have to do things. I mean, we're going to come across this in a second. Things happen when you see these stage 2Bs. And one thing which is very easy to let slip because of when you turn it over is don't forget to then do the staging step of revealing a card from the encounter deck. Because sometimes you, you might reveal one of these stage 2Bs and it will tell you to do X, Y, and Z. We'll see this in a second. And you do all of that and you start calculating what you're questing for. But you, it's quite easy to actually forget. You still have to stage. You still have to take that card off of the encounter deck. Uh, are, are you saying, John, are you admitting to some inadvertent cheating it? I would never do such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely possible. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, you're, you're quite right. You got to keep because it's a different style of quest. You got to keep your own things. And the other thing is, try and remember which card you've put to the bottom as well, and the, and the order which these cards are coming out. Because yeah. what you eventually start to learn is how do you manipulate this quest deck itself, yeah. uh, and start to manage your game sort of that way. So already we know in this example we've put that exit from darkness, which you can potentially escape if you've got the abandoned tools with, and that's now at the bottom. Yeah. And if you flip over another one, it'll be number six and et cetera, and cycle through them. So, um, okay, well, shall I shall I reveal the next one then? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I've given them a shuffle. Ah, interesting. Stage 2B, blocked by shadow. Okay, and that states this. It's got nine progress to get past it. And it says, when revealed, the first player chooses one of the following. Each player discards one card from the top of the encounter deck. If the card is a treachery card, the discarding player is eliminated from the game. Oof. <laughs> now, there are a lot of treachery cards in this deck. There are, yeah. And uh, if you're playing one player, you know, basically, if you reveal a treachery card, you're out of the game. Game over. Um, okay, so that's option one. Option two. Reveal the next quest card, putting Block by Shadow at the bottom of the quest deck. Well, at that point, it's a no-brainer. You know, just put it to the bottom. But there's a little bit of bold text at the bottom here. Players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase. If the players defeat this stage, they escape and win the game. So, here we go. Basically, this is your gambling card. So you don't have abandoned tools in the in the scenario we're playing out. So we've chucked that uh, original quest card to the bottom. Now this is the next one that comes out. You could roll the dice, flip over the next encounter card. If it's not a treachery, then you're still in the game. And then this quest card 2B stays as your active quest. And then you only have nine progress tokens to get on this to win the game. Now... Yeah. In one player, it's a hell of a gamble. But I must admit, a couple of times, this was the first stage 2B that came out for me. And as it was the first card I saw, I'm not that committed to that particular run-through. I would just gamble straight away. Just like, well, if I happen to get through it, bully for me. (laughs) I'm going to get through it. I mean, I do have a few comedic stories 
regarding that, but uh, we'll come to those later. But if it is later in the game and you've built up some forces and you're able to fight, you're able to quest, knocking yourself out of the game on the turn of a card is a hell of a risk. And I would say because of when you reveal this card as well, there's no action window. You can't start playing things like um, Shadow of the Past to move cards back off the encounter discard pile back on top to guarantee you can't play Denethor's ability to look at the next card. So it really is a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I played twice last night to refresh myself of the game. And I got blocked by Shadow. I think it's my I think it was my second quest TB. And I thought, yep, I'm gonna gamble. And that was the end of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay but interesting so we've revealed two cards so far which you can potentially win the game with yeah but yeah like i say i mean well you can't necessarily just win the game with this one if you reveal a card which is not a treachery you get to keep this stage to be up up on top and then of course you're then just playing a sort of standard lord of the rings the card game peg it Peg it. Yeah. (laughs) Quest, 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 quest. Yeah. yeah. Nine progress. You're out. You win the game. Exactly. We're not in that stage right now because um, it would be a very short podcast. So we're going to bypass it and put it to the bottom of the deck. Okay. I'm going to reveal the next one. And it is heading down. Okay. This requires five progress. It says, it looks like you may have to head back up the other way forced if heading up so that's a card we haven't seen yet is in the player's victory display at the end of any quest phase shuffle heading up back into the quest deck players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase so just to take a bit of randomness out shall we look at heading up yeah well? let's look at these two together sister card to, yeah. to this one so heading up i mean i guess you can see where this is going this <laughs> one requires seven rather than five to get through it and it says, perhaps if you climbed this pile of rocks, there would be a way out. Forced. If heading down is in the player's victory display at the end of any quest phase, shuffle heading down back into the quest deck. So why is that important? So basically what it means is, okay, you're taking something. Uh, by the way, these have both got one victory point on them, both of these cards too, which increases the Nameless Fear's powers by one. Obviously why this is important is for two reasons. One is you're putting another card back into the deck. So if you're after a particular quest card, that makes the odds of you finding that a little bit longer again. But also it says you shuffle them. Yeah. But shuffle back in. And that can That's have one of two... Yeah, well, well, it, it can help too. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's optimistic. I like that. So in this one we just played, Escape from Darkness we put on the bottom, mm-hmm. right? And, let's say it, and if you'd already had heading down or you got through one of these ones it's in your victory display but you know that heading that escape from darkness is right at the bottom and now you've come across the abandoned tools and you want that one back shuffling could help actually because unless you're unlucky you get it from the bottom of the deck somewhere up near of the top perhaps if you're lucky you know Uh, it's a bit of a long shot but but yeah you can see how these cards work off each other it's quite clever theming as well i think yeah i was gonna say the theme is lovely if you have successfully headed down earlier in your quest and then you start heading up again at the end of that quest when you are heading up 
you're going to have to head down again. At some point, you've headed up. Yeah. And if you've headed down, you're going to have to head up again. You're lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what I tended to do with these is, for me, these are great buffer cards because they have, um, what do you say? They have five progress and seven progress. Yes. I'm not sure which way around it is. So, um, yeah. Heading down is five, heading up is seven. Okay. And so... Basically, they don't offer that much in the way of victory points. I mean, I would say, I mean, essentially, you're trying to not complete these quests, apart from the ones that make you win the game. You do not want quests in your victory display um, as a rule, uh, because every time you do, your nameless fear is getting stronger and stronger, and it's going to become harder and harder for you to quest. Yeah. Um, but to offset that, it does make the number of cards in the quest deck smaller so you can get to the quest card you want quicker potentially yeah that's the other side of it. but then only if you're shuffling because actually if even if you're cycling through them but if you're cycling through them it doesn't matter if your cards just go to the bottom yeah it just still pushes your other card closer to the top if there's a shuffle at some point if there's a shuffle yeah the deck being smaller is in your favor if you don't shuffle the deck being any sizes it's fine because each time it gets pushed one closer to the top. Yeah. Or, or, or am I making that up? No, no, no that's, 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 that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so, no, so basically, you don't want victory points. You really don't want victory points. Uh, but these only offer one. So it's not a massive, massive difference. I'd say I, I agree with you the way I played it. And there might be people out there who have a completely different insight into this quest and different way of playing it. But yeah, with the deck I put together and previously when I played it before as well, uh, yeah, I was of I was of the same. And I'll, I guess yeah. we can talk about more how we did it a bit later on. But. Yeah, I mean, it, perhaps if you have a mega questing deck, then uh, giving the Nameless Fear extra um, threat is not that big a deal. But I didn't really. It, they were dwarves. Um, I used dwarves too. <laughs> so, so basically, I didn't want anything in the Victory Space puzzle. Yes. But what I felt with heading up and heading down, they... Both require five or seven, which is quite a few progress to get through. So that's quite handy for just questing enough. I felt rather than bypassing right. them straight away, I would keep them as the active location. Because also, each of these stage 2Bs, unless they help you escape, will give you something nasty most of the time. So if you know what that one is, you know you can actually prepare each round rather than sort of gambling what's coming up. You go, well, I know what the quest yeah. stage is. I can keep that there. I can quest just enough to not complete it. And I can build up my forces. It gives you a few rounds where you can build up some proper strength, you know, with your allies and your attachments, etc. Before you bypass it and go, okay, now now I'm ready to try and escape. That's how I played it anyway. They, They were buffer cards. Because actually getting past them, I've personally found shuffling the quest deck was a nightmare. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean you are somebody who likes to know what's what's coming oh my days so let's say we've well in any regard we've either been forced to shuffle this or we've kept it there and then we've decided to bypass it we're going to reveal another stage to be on our next go um okay okay so so do you want to reveal the uh the next one here we go it is Narrow paths. It's uh, three progress to get past it. And it says, when revealed, 
Each player chooses one questing character he controls. Each questing character not chosen does not count its willpower until the end of the turn. Okay, there's a there's a lot of, there's a lot of double negatives in there. <laughs> it means only one person can Absolutely. quest. Absolutely. So that's what it means. Um, you basically <laughs> each player you basically choose the character you wish to be committing its willpower, and everyone else is not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so and that can be real trouble. If you've committed a lot of characters, that means you've got a lot of exhausted characters and then suddenly only one of them is questing. Um, forced. After placing the first progress token on narrow paths, search the encounter deck and discard pile for abandoned tools. Aha! <laughs> and add it to the staging area, if able. I think the if able there is... It might already be out. Right. Players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase. And again, it has one victory point. Okay, well, so this is really the card you want to see. This is this is what you are hoping for. And I think we already can see why. It does make it hard to quest successfully if you've got uh, a lot of threat in the staging area. Maybe you've got a location already... Uh, active uh well i think why this is clever is that that effect is, is a when revealed effect so basically what it means is you get this you're very very unlikely just on that immediately on your first go to see a band of tools absolutely probably your threat's going to go up you're going to quest unsuccessfully in all likelihood if you're only questing one person per player but then on the next go you can potentially do it so um it, it's very smart i think um, how that's done. what i love about it is thematically they're narrow paths so yeah, so your exactly. your 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 party has been forced into single file so only one of them is at the front who are you pushing yeah. to the front exactly <laughs> um, i would state just a, a, a little rule thing on this that your characters are still committed to the quest uh, they just don't count their willpower so for instance i had thalin good old thalin as one of my heroes. So he was committing to the quest each time because I wanted to put that one damage on any enemies that came out of the encounter deck. I wouldn't choose him as my questing character for this because his willpower is woefully low. So I'd choose someone with a higher willpower, of course. Um, but then if an enemy came off, that enemy would still get one damage. He is still committed to the quest. He just doesn't count as willpower. Yeah. So this is great. You want to keep this card until you get that one progress on it. And ideally, you want to quest just enough. Just enough. It's only got three progress to get past it, but you don't really want to add that victory point to the victory display, if possible. So at this point, is it worth looking at abandoned tools? It is. Uh, I have it right here. So abandoned tools is... It's an encounter card, as we know. It's type tools. (laughs) That's a good type. It's not an item, but that's a good type. Yeah. Um, it's guarded and restricted, and it has an action. It says, exhaust a hero to claim this objective if it has no encounters attached. Then, attach abandoned tools to that hero. If detached, return abandoned tools to the staging area. Now, the guarded aspect of this only comes into play if you happen to reveal it from the encounter deck during staging. Okay, so this is I made this mistake yesterday. <laughs> we did it. We're back. Yes. Inadvertent. <laughs> it's not cheating. No, you, inadvertent you... self-punishment. 
it's, it's no more than you deserve. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. Because obviously, it'd been a while since I'd played yesterday. So yeah, it is good to be reminded of these things because you know it had been quite a few weeks uh, gap. So yeah, I made that mistake instantly, and that's the kind of mistake I would have made right at the beginning when I started playing this game, but then overcame, but then it's come back again. So. <laughs> yeah, and the, I'm just reading um, narrow paths again, and the reason for this is it says that once you have the first progress token on narrow paths, search the encounter deck and discard pile for abandoned tools and add it to the staging area. Yeah, and not reveal. Not reveal. So if it was revealed, which it would be if it was during staging, then it would be guarded. If it's added, so basically you've just found it. You found it, yeah. Which makes sense thematically with narrow paths, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you come you, across, you go down this narrow path. Oh, what have we found here? Some abandoned some tools. Ab- some abandoned tools. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, as soon as you have this, you want to attach it to one of your heroes. I think. Well, maybe not. I mean, there's no real reason to claim it. I mean, it doesn't necessarily do anything apart from it takes up a restricted slot on one of your heroes. Yeah. It doesn't do anything negative. I think what's important about this one, and again, this is going to feed into how we completed this. When you look at Escape from Darkness, it says uh, Abandoned Tools gains Refresh Action. Yes. So that's in the refresh phase. Exhaust attached hero to put a progress token on Escape from Darkness. So you want to put this on the guy who's more likely to be ready when you get to that refresh phase. Ah, no. No? (laughs) Now, do we want... Hmm, okay. I thought we might have trouble with you with this one. (laughs) Refresh action. (laughs) Yeah, no. If you look at the action windows during all the phases of the game, the action window during the refresh phase is after you have refreshed all of your heroes or all your characters. Okay, so the idea is... Okay, that actually makes sense thematically. So what it means is that the person who has the abandoned tools is basically not ready is exhausted basically throughout the whole of the next round until the refresh bit because he's busy or he or she is busy um, digging a hole. Smashing rocks. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that makes makes sense. So I think I probably cheated here. Yeah, I was going to say, so you're you're inadvertent making your life more difficult for yourself. Was it balanced? Probably not. (laughs) It's probably been completely destroyed by your massive inadvertent cheating. Yeah, and uh, and the reason that it's an issue, uh, because I was figuring through, did it actually make any uh, real difference to what happened? Actually, it did, because... You put it on Dane. I put it on Dane, exactly. The very, very first note I made, which I just dug out my notes from a couple of months ago, the very, very first note, and I'll, 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 I'll read it verbatim. I'm not making this up. Emre's going to put this on Dane, isn't he? <laughs> and he's, that's what he's it's not Dane quite that specific. It's just, it simply says, putting abandoned tools on Dane is a big mistake. I capitalised the word big. <laughs> what a mistake to make it. I know I've made that mistake yet. He is lit. <laughs> I went on. I went on with my, my notes here. I thought, actually, when I reread these, I won't need to read this bit out. 
So putting a bandage tools on Dane is a big mistake. He is literally never, again, I put block capitals, ready to boost dwarves. Yeah. (laughs) Because, of course, he will be exhausted throughout the entirety of the next round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Moving on. (laughs) Because let's come back to that when we discuss how we... Yeah, yeah. No, because I think think that's important. Because I think let's get through the rest of these stage two Bs because actually we now know how we're going to beat the quest. And there are a few nuances like this. Yeah. That basically... Well, it's interesting because... Well, yeah, we'll come to it. We'll come to it. Okay. So, uh, should I reveal the next one? There's only two left. Yeah, but I, I think we should, because we did jump around a little bit then, which is not a problem, but I think what's important is that the quest card of Narrow Paths, which allowed us to get abandoned tools, does not automatically mean that we can start breaking free. You now need to still cycle through your quest deck to try and get back to Escape from Darkness. Escape from darkness. I mean, yeah. that's the real trick, isn't it? I mean, you've, yeah. you've got the tools, but nothing happens now until you can get back yeah. to Escape from Darkness. Well, it's just thinking about, you know, how do you escape this place? And you know, you're, you don't get it from the narrow paths. You just you find, yeah, the, you find, you know, the, tools. find the tools. And then you need to get to the place where you can yeah. break through the, the thin bit of wall. Um, okay. So we found the tools, but we're going to continue through. So then ideally you bypass the quest again, because again, you do not want those victory points if, if you can avoid it. Yeah. Okay. Next. So I'm going to flip <laughs> over the next one. <laughs> the next one I have... Um, is Hasty Council with some? I, I do like the artwork on this one. I must have love it, love it's it. So cool, yeah. <laughs> um, Hasty Council. That now there are no progress needed to get through this. It says you pause momentarily to consider your options. When revealed, shuffle all copies of A Foe Beyond from the Encounter discard pile back into the Encounter deck. So we haven't discussed a foe beyond yet. No, but this was the one which was mentioned right at the beginning that we put one in per player, didn't we? That was in the set of yes. instructions. Yeah. So I right. think from that, we know it's not going to be very nice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it says, reveal the top two cards of the quest deck. Choose one to become the active quest flipped to side 2B. And put the other on the bottom of the quest deck. Then add hasty council to your victory display. And it has a victory points of two. So you're going to get two in a victory display. No matter what if you get to hasty yeah. council. But the good news is. Is it gives you an option to travel immediately. To one of two quest cards. One of the next two. So you can get rid of one you don't want. And hopefully you get one which you do want. Yeah. And even if you don't want that. At the end of a combat phase. You get rid of that one as well. So this one allows you to get pretty much to where you kind of need to be fairly quickly yeah apart from when i played it when i nearly 100 percent of the time revealed heading up and heading down <laughs> but at least you can get rid of that one as well so you can get them both on the bottom of the quest deck in one absolutely game. absolutely and then you know that and then you've got a maximum you know choice of four for the next one yeah um okay so yeah so that's a very useful tool it does have a cost to it with a victory display points of course but yeah, this is, can be used. And I would say that's not a small cost either because yeah, yeah. your Nameless Fear already has two threat. And there's no way of getting around this, by the way. So you get those yeah. up to, that's, suddenly that's four threat in the staging constantly now for the rest of the game. Yeah, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it worth then having a quick look at a foe beyond? A foe beyond with some very ominous artwork of its own. That's, that's, that's a really cool piece of artwork, I think. 
So when revealed, the last player deals damage equal to the Nameless Fear's attack to a hero he controls. This effect cannot be cancelled. Yeah. So you have, as we were saying, if you've got Hasty Council and you've got all of these cards back in the encounter deck, that's a minimum of four that he's hitting for one of your heroes. So, you know, that's yeah. that's a killer. You know, that's almost destroying or destroying your heroes at that point, if you get one of Yeah, those. because there's there's a chance you've already got a little bit of damage. You know, there's like, oh, I've only got one or two damage on Dane or whatever, you know. Then suddenly this happens and then yeah. you're in big trouble. And we haven't even discussed some of the encounter cards yet when you've, you're likely to be getting some damage. <laughs> <laughs> um Yes, so yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. This one, yeah, absolutely. I I tended to be happy to see this card. Um, yeah, but when are you happy to see? It? I mean, the thing is, the thing about this card is, you might as well just accept it. You can't bypass yes, it. Exactly, it's going to happen. So whenever it comes out, you're just going to go. Well, I hope I'm lucky, and uh, and then you're going to get those extra two victory points in the display, and hopefully you're going to get something. I mean, the thing is. Like you say, um, even if you reveal this near the beginning of the game, there's a chance you're going to see narrow paths that, or if you see block by shadow near the beginning of the game, perhaps you go, well, okay, it's right at the beginning. I'll get that. I'll try and gamble my way out of this game. Um, so yeah, I was never, I was never upset to see this stage two B. Yeah, I think I'm of the same same opinion. Okay, so we have two. If I've uh, counted correctly, we've got two stage two Bs left. Uh, I think it's one. Oh boy, we've had. Escape from Darkness, Blocked by Shadow, Heading Up, Heading ah. Down, yeah, yeah, Narrow Paths, Hasty Council. Well, I must be wrong. A wrong turn. <laughs> I must be wrong. It's a, a cover version of Radiohead's I Might Be Wrong. <laughs> no, you definitely are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the final stage to be A Wrong Turn has one progress to get through it um <laughs> this is an understatement it's a horrible card <laughs> this is an understatement coming right up Barry. this is a dangerous part of the minds <laughs> thank you for that yeah unlike all the other parts of the minds which are you know <laughs> they're friendly <laughs> um okay and it says this when revealed Reveal one encounter card per player and add it to the staging area. Okay. Horrible. <laughs> well, yeah, really. Uh, players may bypass this quest card at the end of the combat phase. And it has two victory points. Now, the reason why this is... We're both in agreement that this is horrible is not just the, the one extra uh, encounter card. I mean, we get encounter cards all the time in this game. and They, they pile them at you. But it's... If... That's a treachery, which, as previously mentioned, there are lots of treacheries here. It's unlikely to actually add to your threat. It's going to do something very nasty to you. Then, chances are you will quest successfully because you have prepared to quest successfully. You'll put the one progress required onto the wrong turn, and you've got yourself two extra victory points, yeah. boosting the Nameless Fear. It it's is horrible. A nasty piece of work. The, the only way it's offset is by if you uh, an extra encounter card. If it's an enemy or a location, it might mean you don't quest successfully. And I think what you kind of learn from all this, and you've touched on it anyway, talking about heading up and heading down, is a lot of the time 
as you said, you don't need, you don't want a quest. You're almost just teetering on the brink of of questing successfully. The other side to that coin is, the more you do that, the more you get this kind of thing, and you don't quest successfully, and your threats just shooting up. Yeah. Um. So it's a real balancing act in this quest between those things. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 thematically, I think it works really well because you're you're exploring these mines which you don't know anything about you you don't know the direction to go or where you are and well in this case you've taken the wrong turn (laughs) (laughs) and you really have yeah yeah into a dangerous part of the mines yes (laughs) Um, okay so those are all the stage two b's and okay it was a lot to cover and i i think it was a very tricky one to know how to discuss but i think we probably tackled it the only way we could but I think it's clear to see that this quest is very thematic, as you just said, that it feels like you're lost. You're, go- you're literally going around in circles. You're heading up, you're heading yeah. down, you're taking a wrong turn, you're stopping for a breather, you're looking for some tools. There's a narrow path. That could be a way out. Oh, no, there's a Balrog in the way. <laughs> yeah. It's Tim. <laughs> Tim's always in the background in this one. Um <laughs> And then eventually, yeah, you might find some tools and the tools could help you break free. But in order to do this, you are going to go around and around and around. Um, And thematically, in that sense, it's very clever. I won't say it was the most enjoyable experience. I mean, there's a little bit of a spoiler for my closing feelings of the entire quest. We will talk about how we got past it in a second. But the sense of going around and around and around sometimes just had me pulling my hair out. Just when am I going to find a way out of here? And and you might think, oh, it's well, it's it's uh, it's only a maximum of seven rounds because eventually you will get to that quest card if you can just keep bypassing it. But as we've seen already, there are several ways that that quest deck can get reordered, and it's not just uh, heading up and heading down. There are treacheries that will really, well, they're treacherous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, yeah, I guess, again, maybe we should talk about and talk about our overall feelings. Yeah, I think that was my initial feeling of this quest. And I'm not sure whether it's the deck which I put together. I ended up having a very specific way to play by the end, actually. Uh, and yeah, how enjoyable that is once you find a specific way of playing is, is another question. But um no, I think that's actually fair enough because I, I do think there are definitely decks you could put together to specifically tackle this quest. And I decided, well, actually tying back into the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about a way of playing this quest as a campaign, I didn't do this on purpose, but I just felt like I wanted to take my, which I did do it on purpose, I felt like I wanted to take my same deck that I did the previous two Khazad Doom quests through this one. I wanted this to feel like a mini campaign yeah. and yeah, that's exactly what i did yeah. so even though often i was hitting a bit of a brick wall with this and i could see a way i could make a new deck to defeat it you know relatively easily really well not that i tried it but i really stuck with my uh, yeah. my original deck and just wanted to beat it with these guys i think there's something to be said for that so i did exactly the same i felt in a weird way it'd almost be like betraying the story of this deluxe basically to do that but yeah so you wouldn't be adverse to fantasy flight putting campaign cards into a well, well, let's, 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 
If I knew what they were, maybe. <laughs> Be non-committal as possible. No, but I, I, I must say, my general way of playing this game has been kind of along those lines, actually. It has been... Sometimes it's impossible, actually, because mm. some, of, some of the quests do really you know, cry out for a very specific way of playing. And you even see that right at the beginning in the core set. Yeah. When we spoke, we, yeah, we talked at length about journey journey down the Antwine, along the Antwine. I always get them mixed up. Um, and um, Along. Along. And <laughs> and and the escape from Dogledur as well. So, yeah. Uh, do, do we want to talk about how we defeated these now? Or do you want to look at some encounter cards first? Or what's the way to... Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's almost as if we haven't made a podcast <laughs> for three months. Yeah. Um, let's, let's... Let's look at some cards. Let's look at some cards. Yeah. Cards are nice. Okay. When I played this yesterday, the guys who kept cropping up time and again, I'll talk about enemies first. Mm-hmm. Even though I think maybe there's more treachery than enemies in this. There are still plenty of enemies. There were three guys who kept cropping up all the time. And I'm not sure if just because there's more of those cards in the deck, I have no idea. I tend not to try and count them, actually. It no. just keeps a mystery to it. And actually, just looking at the other ones, I've probably got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Goblin Spearman made oh, yeah. constant appearances. And I think I think we discussed him already in yeah, previous episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also Stray Goblin. Oh, he's a new too. one. He's a new one, I think. Yeah. So he he has a engagement cost of 29. He has threats of X. He hits for X and a shield of two and two hit points. Um, the Goblin Spearman also has two defense and two hit points, which doesn't make him that easy to, to kill off of that. I think your idea of having Tharlin would great, help massively to defeat some yeah. of these guys. And, and and in fact, last time, I remember now, when we discussed the last quest, I thought, I must put Tharlin in for one of my other dwarves, and I, and I totally forgot that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you remember, from all these two hit point uh, goblins, for me, it was like using Tharlin and then a Gondorian Spearman, or yeah. your man, the uh, the Mirkwood Runner, yeah, the, uh, for d- bypassing the defense and then... Hitting for two. Oh, yesterday, the amount of time I said to myself, oh, my kingdom for a Gondorian Spearman. It's <laughs> <laughs> so useful. Um, but sorry, I, I mentioned he, had, he hits for X and has a uh, threat of X. X is the number of players in the game. Yeah. So I was playing one player, so he only hits for one. But with some of the shadow effects and some of the effects from some of the locations and other things, it's easy for the enemies to get boosted in this quest. So actually seemingly okay-ish enemies like that can really cause you uh, a problem. And then the other guy is my old buddy. My old buddy, the Goblin Archer. Oh, Lord curse him. <laughs> the Goblin Archer. So yeah, he was he was constantly doing damage. Which, to be honest, the dwarves I took... So the heroes... It's been the same heroes I used for the previous two. So it was Dane, as I've mentioned. The other two I've were Gloin, who gets a resource for damage, so I'm not too bothered if he gets mm-hmm. damage, fine. And Gimli, who also hits for more when he gets damage as well. So I wasn't that bothered about the Goblin Archer at first. <laughs> but you very quickly get to the point where you need to get some chumps out, otherwise you know, you're know you going to start yeah, getting taken yeah. out. Well, Goblin Archer for me was 
fine as long as he came out during staging when I was questing Thalia, yeah. because that's just one hit point and he's dead. Exactly. Um, but the number of times I got him is the first card. Just when you, you know, before you've really started the game, you have to reveal one card from the encounter deck. Because then he just sits there for the entire game. You, you can do nothing about it. He just sits there for the entire game, and basically until you're dead. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the other guy, who I'll just mention quickly, who Farnham would be ultra useful for, is the Orc Drummer. Oh, yeah. No, I, I never saw him. I literally never saw him. But I think maybe he came out, and then I went, oh, there's, there's one hit point he's dead. I'd never even read the card. But I, uh, I, I, I brought him out now, and I was like, oh, I've never seen this guy. So let me let me talk through him quickly. He has an engagement cost of 50. So you're never engaging this guy, no, right? No. Well, I guess you can optionally engage him, but he has a threat of one. He hits for one. He has a shield of three, but only one hit point. So Farnan gets rid of him straight away. Mm-hmm. And he is of type Orc and Summoner. I think we did discuss this guy before, but just as a refresh. So while Orc no, Drummer... No, I, I think we had a different Summoner. It might have been. A, yeah, I think it might be a different one. You might be right. Bernard Summoner. Bernard Summoner. Legend. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is a new order of orc drummer. <laughs> new, new orc <laughs> Okay, we're out of practice, aren't we? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the text on him says, while orc drummer is in the staging area, each enemy gets plus one threat. X is the number of players in the game. So you want to be getting rid of this guy. No, he gets plus X threat. Yeah, so what did I say? Plus one. Oh, I beg your pardon. Yeah, an X is the number of players in the game. So obviously subconsciously, as I played on Soho, <laughs> it was plus one. So yeah, he's a nasty one. And I didn't when I played yesterday. I didn't see the two really nasty enemies. Oh, I did. Yeah, go on. Do you want to? Not, not when you played yesterday. That would be weird. I'd have been tucked <laughs> up in bed and seeing the great cave troll and the cheating uh, of the pit, which I believe is the guys. two. Yeah. <laughs> no, but when I was playing. I, I saw nothing but these guys. <laughs> oh, that is so horrible. I mean, I think... I mean, Chief's in the Pit, we've spoken about before, but he gets a plus three attack when he's first revealed, and he already hits for five. So uh, when he's coming for you, he's hitting for eight, so that's a dead hero. Um, well, you, you need a chump. Oh, oh, you need a chump. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I never got a chump when I need one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the great cave troll. I don't think we've seen this guy. Have we seen this guy? I think we have. Uh, I'm, well, our memory is murky. So, but yeah, let's read him out anyway. I think that's the last okay. thing that you say. So the great cave troll, he has an engagement cost of 38. So that's his saving grace. That is a high chance if you see this guy early enough, you don't have to engage him straight My, my threat was generally in the 40s. Well, yeah, when you started, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so an engagement cost of 38 he has threat of 2 he hits for 7 7 he has defence of 3 and it's a double figure hit point of 10 yeah ouch he is a troll then he has horrible text under him as well he does indeed he's immune to range damage nah doesn't bother me no attachments can be played on the Great Cave Troll. Okay, so there's no trapping this guy. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> So basically, if you were playing two-player, though, that first line is really unpleasant as well because obviously if you are playing multiplayer, ganging up on trolls is a great uh, tactic. Um, no, this guy is really, really, really quite nasty. And actually, I'll tell you what, let's just jump to 
one treachery, which seemed to be the encounter deck's favourite trick to play on me, a treachery called Chance Encounter. And it says this. When revealed, put the top enemy in the encounter discard pile into play. Engage with the first player. If this effect puts no enemies into play, Chance Encounter gains surge. I got this a couple of times. First time put the Chieftain of the Pit back engaged with me just after I defeated it the round before. The second time put the Great Cave Troll back engaged with me after I defeated it the round before. And the third time I saw it, <laughs> I had no enemies in the discard pile. So it gained surge and I revealed the Great Cave Troll. <laughs> the guy just likes you. What are you going to see? Hey, all right, John. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the poor cave troll. No, this guy's great. This is a great cave troll. <laughs> oh, Vapor was a great cave troll. I mean, Vapor, the Fellowship wouldn't have survived if it was no. a great cave troll. No, no. Also, that treachery, Chance Encounter, this is just a typical kind of shadow effect you get, which is attacking enemy gets plus one attack. Seems all right. Brackets, plus three instead if engaged with the first player. Ah. <laughs> so if you're playing one player, it's plus three. That's it. End of story. So yeah, it, horrible stuff. So really easy to get overpowered by enemies. Yeah. No. Even seemingly, you know, not too bad ones like the goblins we spoke about earlier. Yeah. I mean, for me, the enemies didn't really cause me much trouble, but purely because of the deck I was playing that I'd already had a deck which was designed just to clear out all these two hit point, one, one hit point enemies. But still, they did always find a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they will find a way. Yeah, yeah the, the Goblin Archer coming out first card again is a prime example of that. Um, okay, well, I mostly want to focus on some of these treacheries, but I do have a couple of uh, locations which caused a bit of grief. One of them's an older location. Well, it's not It's not that old. It's uh, from this deluxe, of course, but it's one that we've discussed um, a little while back, and that's a dreadful gap. And this in this quest, it really, really lives up to its name. So a Dreadful Gap is a location with a threat of two, and it requires X to get past it. It's an underground, and it's a hazard location. And it says, when revealed, immediately travel to the Dreadful Gap. If another location is currently active, return it to the staging area. X is the number of characters in play. Okay, that doesn't sound that bad, but... If you have a lot of characters out towards the end of the game, it can take a little while to get through it. But actually, weirdly, that that's better. It can it can be a benefit to not yeah. get past it? And the reason why you might want to not get past it is just below that line of text are these words: victory three. Yeah. So you're horrible. Forced <laughs> to travel to the dreadful gap, and if you happen to get past it which you can do quite easily. That's three victory points, boosting uh, the Nameless Sphere up to at least five, depending on what you've uh, already got in the victory display. So that was particularly un- unpleasant. Yeah, horrible one. Yeah, well, that was the, and that was really the only location. There are a couple of new locations as well, but none of them really gave me too much bother. I don't know if you uh, highlighted any locations which were, were an issue for you. No, not really. Um well, locations were quite important to how I defeated the game, actually. Oh, go on. But I'll, I mean, should we go through the treacheries first and then 
discuss that. Yeah, okay. Let, well, let's indeed jump into these treacheries because these are, for me anyway, definitely the cards I saw the most <laughs> when getting through this encounter deck. Do you want to pick one just to get get the ball rolling and I'll have a little look at what nasties I've got in my hand? Yeah, uh, I'll... So earlier on you were touching on how you know, you're trying to control the quest deck and other things apart from heading up and heading down can sort of scupper that. And one that was really annoying to come across was New Devilry. Oh, yeah. So it says, when revealed, if the players are not on stage one, which is very unlikely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then shuffle the current quest card into the quest deck, then reveal a new quest card. Otherwise, New Devilry gains surge. So suddenly you're you're messing up your quest deck. So if you knew where everything was, then that's all over. And that can like it doesn't sound too bad. It's not doing any damage or raising your threat or anything like that. But it can really you can really come a cropper of that one. You know, it's almost like then you're back in the dark. You're scurrying around with no map again, essentially at that point. So yeah, that one could be really annoying. Absolutely, I've got a little story about New Devilry. Actually, it's. Um... But the last time I played this, I made a, I made a specific note about this game because it was quite the journey. So I, I think the first stage to be I revealed was narrow paths. It's like yeah, brilliant! It's absolutely the best starting stage to be you want to see when you start a new game because you know if you can get those abandoned tools right at the beginning, you know you, you're pretty much certain that as soon as you can find that escape from darkness uh, stage two you're golden. So Narrow Pass first came out. My first card off of the encounter deck during staging was New Devilry. So <laughs> I had to shuffle the quest deck. And, you know, well, it was my first card. So it was like, okay, well, it's basically I'm just starting again. It's not the end of the world. Um, next stage 2B that I revealed was Blocked by Shadow. So I was like, well, okay. So again, this is just a reminder, Blocked by Shadow is the one where you can gamble it's like, well, okay, I really am just still very much at the beginning. I will risk it. So I revealed uh, the first card of the encounter deck, and it wasn't a treachery. I'm not too sure what it was, but I got through. So it was great, and I managed to get a couple of progress tokens on it. <laughs> the very next round, card off the encounter deck. New Devilry. New Devilry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that never happened to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, God, that's horrific. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So I've got a little, <laughs> little special place in my heart for New Devilry there. <laughs> so yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see it yesterday. Uh, so I was trying to remember back to yeah New Devilry. But yeah, that's really annoying. If you're on the card that you want to be on. then Absolutely. That's when it gets you. That's when it gets you. And it, and it managed to do it twice. Back to back. <laughs> I, think, um, I think there's only one other new treachery. In this one, I think, which is Shadow of Fear. Oh yes, yeah, I think yeah. the others we'd seen before, but um, and there's yeah, the, the, the artwork is a very well, yeah, a very, it's, it's a Hobbit in anguish. <laughs> His hands over his. I don't, I don't know why that made me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hobbit in anguish. <laughs> that was not a chapter from Lord of Rings. <laughs> that says, when revealed, the first player attaches Shadow of Fear to one of his heroes. Counts as a condition attachment with the text limit one per hero. Attached hero cannot exhaust already, and its text box is treated as if it were blank. Yeah. So you're just out of the game, basically. Yeah. 
action, pay free resources from attached heroes pool to discard this card. So you need either Miner of Iron Hills, I guess, or, or to pay the resources yeah. to get rid of that one. Yeah. And that, that could be a real stitch up. Yeah. Depending on when this card comes out, it can really be a problem. I mean, I got it first card a couple of times and that you absolutely don't want. Luckily, I think one of the times I had it as a first card, I was playing with Biffa and I had a uh, Miner of the Iron Hills in my starting hand. So I was able to gift Biffa a resource. So by the beginning of the second round, I already had enough resource to bring out Miner of the Iron Hills and get rid of it. Um, yeah, and alternatively, if you do have uh, Steward of Gondor, then just put it onto whoever's got Steward of Gondor and then you can pay to get rid of it. I do think it's very, very nasty. But yeah, I mean, especially if, if you're yeah. playing with Mine of the Iron Hills, then it's not that bad. But that's the same with all condition attachments, of course. Yeah. So I think actually there's one other treachery we haven't seen before, but it's one that I don't know really caused me too much trouble. And that's Massing in the Deep. Have we seen this one before? Well, let's go through it anyway. It simply says, Doomed 1. So that's always a pleasure. And then it says, when revealed, reveal X additional cards from the encounter deck and then add them to the staging area. X is the number of players in the game. So yeah, for one player game, it's just one more. It's it's, it's basically, in a one player game, it's a surge. But uh, in a two player game or three player or four player, it gets pretty nasty. But yeah, and I mean, massing in the deep, pretty thematic. But um, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal for me. Um, yeah, and I, I just highlighted a few treacheries that we've seen before, which we won't go over in detail, but just in this particular quest can cause an awful amount of trouble in no particular order, just the way I've got them in my hand here. Um, a cave-in, when revealed, remove all progress tokens from the current quest card and active location. If cave-in removed, no progress tokens, it gains surge. So yeah, if you are trying to escape on either of the two quest card 2Bs that allow you to win the game, that can be a nightmare. Especially um, on Escape from Darkness, because you can put a maximum of one per round. Yeah. Oh, unbelievably horrible. And yeah, and I've just got two others here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you, we, we've, we've talked about how nasty this is in the past, but you, it'd, be, it'd be remiss of us not to mention it again. Sudden Pitfall, which is a hazard. When revealed, the first player must discard one questing character he controls. If able, this effect cannot be cancelled. So, you know, if you see this at the beginning of your game, that's a hero removed. And, of course, the horrendous shadow, which is on that one, discard the defending character from play. Yeah, I got that one yesterday. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. And just a little special mention for a crumbling ruin, which is a hazard, and it says, when revealed... Each player must exhaust a character and discard the top card of his deck, if able. If the printed cost of the discarded card is equal to or higher than the remaining hit points of the exhausted character, discard the exhausted character. Now, this doesn't sound that bad because you just tend to exhaust a character with uh, with a lot of hit points, a hero normally, and then or a jump blocker if you don't really mind them going. But uh, I would tend to exhaust a hero and then you're almost guaranteed to be fine. Apart from the one time I saw this card and the first card off the top of my deck was, of course, Gandalf. <laughs> Cost of five. Yeah, and you discarded Gandalf too. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just say remaining hit points. So my dwarves tended to have 
you know a few hit points generally on them because I wanted them to, to get some hit points to Gloin and Gimli. So yeah, that's a stitch up. Yeah, lots of bad treachery in this game. I think there aren't that many locations, so they don't tend to cause too much of an issue. But yeah, the enemies are pretty brutal in this, and the treacheries are awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, so there's a couple of things I want to mention about how to beat this game from a rules perspective. Now, I know it's late in the day, Good. but I'm sure people have missed this. <laughs> um, but I think we also want to quickly mention how we defeated it. But I mean, I've, from my perspective, I can get myself out of the way quite quickly because I just played it very straight-faced. I didn't really do any tricks because I didn't really build a deck to defeat this specifically. I just played the same deck as I did for the previous quest. I was using Thalin to quest to put one damage on a uh, revealed enemies and then using Goddor and Spearmans and Spearmans. Um, <laughs> My favourite flavour of chewing gum. <laughs> um, and uh, Mokrid Runners to clear out the enemies and then using Dane to boost any sort of questing and attacking and then just hoping to get through with abandoned tools now we'll get on to abandoned tools in a moment and yeah and i'm gonna ruin your life but <laughs> it's already done though. but but actually it hasn't and i'll explain why in a second go ahead go ahead okay so the way i approached this was so when i played it yesterday i did win in inverted commas my second game i only played a couple of times uh the first one i gambled on blocked by shadow and lost mm-hmm and then I, I won, in inverted commas, through abandoned tools. And I, just, I did notice when we were looking at the locations, um, so the inadvertent cheating I did was, as we discussed already, I kept Dane as the person with abandoned tools, and he was boosting dwarves, but actually he should have been exhausted. So yeah. But also, I, I, was, uh, <laughs> I did do some more inadvertent <laughs> self-harm. Okay. Which was which was I did it on abandoned tools and I made it guarded when I shouldn't have. Yeah. Because I found it through narrow paths. And the other one was there's a location called the Mountain Roots. And it was quite late last night when I was playing this, okay. I was quite tired, but I thought I have to play this again. I was I'm gonna go completely <laughs> blind <laughs> into this podcast. And that one, it's an underground location. It what it says is X is the number of players in the game, and the X is the number of progress you need to get through it. And that's it. But underneath it it's got a shadow. If a shadow says attacking enemy gets plus X attack, X is the number of players in the game. Now, in my tiredness last night, I thought that that was what the location did. <laughs> so while this, like, while this was the active location, all of the enemies were hitting for plus one in my game. So I played okay. this completely wrong, frankly. Yeah, you've made night. a right mess of this. Yeah. <laughs> however, however, when I did play this a couple of months ago with this deck, Getting abandoned tools and escape from darkness was not my approach to it. Okay. Actually, I thought that was a bit of a, a faffy way to get around it. <laughs> what I like to do was find blocked by shadow, roll the dice, hoping to get a treachery, and then burn through the quest. So you're just going for quantity over quality. I was going. Well, you know, I think each win is is, is as, high, as high a quality as any other. <laughs> um, <I was laughs> and why was that my tactic? So I've got Dane, who gives all dwarves plus one quest okay my others were Gloin and Gimli who both quest for two so there's that's six you're questing for just with your heroes yeah then any other dwarf you can get involved 
the quest for so you know trying to get this all done in one go and then what i was also doing if you you know if it was set up in such a way be other ways to really boost it uh obviously you got sneak attack with gandalf to come and just boost your questing or just bring gandalf out that's four more you're getting there yeah and i've got three durin songs as well and that one i could give to gimli and Gloin because that one is choose a dwarf hero the hero gets plus two well, plus two everything, actually. So plus two willpower, plus two attack, plus two shield. So that would boost them an, an additional two, if or one of them. And then the other one, that was really useful. And this one I talked about before in a previous quest was, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Navi's belt, which I'd give to Dane as well. Uh, so he could potentially get a spirit icon or another icon. So there's a spirit card called Untroubled by Darkness. And the action of that one is each dwarf character gets plus one willpower until the end of the phase, plus two instead if the active location is an underground or dark location. So you can travel to an underground, and they're all underground locations in this one. Yeah. So if you can travel to one of them, okay, fine, you have to quest through whatever's on that card, but it doesn't tend to be too much. But then suddenly you've got an additional plus two for everybody that you're questing with. So a combination of these things, you can get an enormous amount of questing in one go, which yeah. should let you get through the block by shadow in one go, if you've got it set up correctly. And then the other card that was useful for this too, as ever onward, which has a cost of three, which I think, which is one that I think when we discussed this, you initially thought this was rubbish, and then after we discussed it, you thought, this "Oh, was amazing. yeah, no, no, no!" I completely <laughs> came around on this card. This, yeah, card, this, this card is incredible. You did a one eighty. <laughs> yeah, it was great, and that, that response is. After players quest unsuccessfully, choose a player. That player does not raise his threat. And why that's useful is if you've got that in your back pocket and there are enemies there which you need to get rid of or causing you grief, you can just not quest anyone. That go. Yeah. Use, use that card. You don't raise your threat. And then you can use all of your dwarves for, for combat. So that was basically my tactic initially. And it did kind of work some of the time, I'd say. <laughs> But there's no guarantees in this quest. Obviously, I'm rolling the dice on that card, which can just destroy you on, on Blocked by Shadow. Uh, you know, so that's a real 50-50 job you got there or whatever it is. Yeah. And then, obviously, you can come a cropper of, you know, if you don't happen to get Blocked by Shadow as a card or, or even, you know, uh, for your banner tools going that way. You know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite tricky. What I did find, I think you alluded to this earlier, is when you first start playing it, you do get an impression of being lost in this in this mind it's, it's fun just to know, not know what's coming yeah i think once you do learn it and I, I guess this is a bit of a tricky thing for the designers of this to get around anyway frankly once you do get around it and you're playing with a specific deck you do end up well i did anyway with my experience i ended up with a very specific way of playing and i was just really trying to target that yeah. and either it worked or it didn't and i, I guess i was winning maybe i don't know two out of five times or something like that, I, I, or three out of five times, whatever. Uh, it wasn't too far off 50-50, I guess, um, in the end. There's a meatloaf song in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meatloaf would be, he, would he be a dwarf? Maybe a hobbit. No, he's too big. He's too big for a hobbit. He's too big, isn't he? He's just a big man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's closer to a banning than anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a bear out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. 
Um, okay, well, no, that's interesting. I mean, that's that is definitely a way to play it. And but I think I mean before I get on to um, before I dive into the fact, <laughs> um, I would say that it's interesting that this is how you chose to play it, and that you say, well, at first, yes, it's fine. You feel like you're lost, and then you find your way out, and then this is what you chose to do, and then you did it, and then through your subsequent replays, you're just trying to do that again. And I think this is actually yeah. my problem with this quest. At first, when I first set this up to replay it, it was like, oh, it's one of these style quests, because yeah, spoilers, they there are quests further down the road, which will also have multiple... Uh, well, in fact, we saw it in the course that there were multiple... Uh, quest cards on the very the, first quest very first quest so it's it's yeah. not it's not that unusual um but and then that, that excited me because i couldn't remember what any of them did so it was very much like yeah this is great i'm gonna go and see what's coming out but as soon as you kind of know what there is and what that means you're just churning until you can get to what you need and when things don't go your way it can really feel like a churn and i don't get that with very many of the quest and i must say it got to the point where i maybe i just played it a bit too much because i mean yeah there's no it's no secret <laughs> we, we were we've been delayed recording this cast so there were lots of well weeks where it's like well we're not recording again this week i better play again yeah we've been stuck in this mind an awfully long time <laughs> yeah exactly and i think i must admit just to be to be brutally honest, I think that's played on my opinion of this quest is that I probably overplayed it during these past yeah. months and it lost its thrill. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, but I think also I still like the fact that, you know, there are some quests which are kind of like almost infinitely replayable. Yeah. And you can try lots and lots of different things and da, da, da. Uh, there are some quests not that many, but there are a few where I think we talked about this when we talked about a journey to Roscobel as well. I think it was that one that once you know the the twist mm. in the end, that kind of you know once you know that, then yeah, it, in fact, that's true of any any quest. You know, once you know what the quest cards are, then it kind of influences obviously yeah. how you play it. But for some quests, that's much more. It, it really influences it much more than others, and I think this is one of those. And I think it's just because. The way it's set up, yeah, that kind of thrill of being lost in the... I mean, when you first play it, it's great. And and that is the kind of rush of playing it. So I think if you... And I think it's good if they have the occasional quest like that, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. And it's probably... You're probably right. It's probably not one that warrants loads and loads of replays. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, because... But yeah, yeah, that's what we've been doing. For, well, I guess we were doing. Um, but even like the very first quest, which... So... What is it, Journey to Mirkwood or something like passage that? Through, passage, passage through, through Mirkwood. You know, even that one, I've replayed that with joy many, many times. <laughs> you know, it's a brilliant one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it's just on the other end of the scale of, of, yeah. of that, yeah. I think. you know. But still, I think the difficulty was correct, seven, because sometimes it's quite easy and sometimes it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So absolutely. what are you going to give it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think it definitely... When you when you flip that coin, it does come down on the side of impossible more than <laughs> more yeah. than easy. So I, I think to, yeah. I, I think it's definitely it is at the higher end of the difficulty scale. Okay, so we've kind of gone around this in a bit of a roundabout way of I've given my opinion of it, which is yeah, 
But there are some things I want to say about how I beat it and one should be looking at it from a stickler to the rules perspective. Now, I very rarely did the uh, the sort of gambling route out of it. Um, I mean, I did, like I say, when I got that stage two card near the beginning of the game, I gambled every single time. And I think, yeah, you know, apart from the times it got shuffled back into the encounter deck, I think I beat it every time that I managed to successfully win that uh, win that gamble. But the vast majority of the times I played it, I played it down the route of discovering abandoned tools and then using those tools to hack my way out of the mines. <laughs> um, which, as you said, is beautifully thematic that during the refresh stage, one of your heroes who is holding the abandoned tools will ready and then he will immediately exhaust to continue hacking his way through the walls of the mine. Yeah. Um, and then he's not going to be available to you until the end of the next round when he'll be ready so that you can exhaust him again so he can hack a little bit further through. And I love, love, love that theme. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. One, when I first put the abandoned tools on to Dane, because I tend to just always put restricted attachments onto Dane as, as a gut reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, until I realized it was a terrible idea because of when he was ready and when he wasn't, I wondered if I could move Abandoned Tools onto another hero. Now, do you remember in the insert for the... I don't know if it was the first quest in this deluxe or the second, there was also an attachment, and it said, because this attachment says, exhaust a hero to claim this objective if it has no encounters attached. And it's stated in the insert that you could do this at any time, basically exhaust any hero to move this attachment around. Now, I wondered if I could do that with this one. I don't see any reason why I couldn't. Um, so Abandoned Tools says, yeah, exhaust a hero to claim this objective if it has no encounters attached. So it doesn't have an encounter attached if it's on a hero. Exactly. So you just, yeah. So I could just exhaust another hero and move it over. I can't remember what the other attachment was. That it was another. There was another objective that we could. It, it oh, was actually, it the, was it a book? Oh, the book the of Mazabul. The book yeah, yeah. of Mazabul, and it, it specifically mentions it in the insert that you could exhaust another hero to move it across. And we both had a, yeah. a eureka moment. Do you know what I have in my hand here, John? Is it the insert? It's the insert sheet. <laughs> so what it says is book of Mazabul. Oh, but. A hero can also exhaust to claim Book of Mazabul, even if it is attached to another hero. There you go. Yeah. So now is that so? I guess your question is: Is that specifically about that, or is that about any objective? Well, I think if we had prepared this podcast as if we had time, <laughs> we yeah. would also have a copy of the Book of Mazabul in front of us. But basically, if that action is the same, exhaust a hero to claim this objective if it has no encounters attached then I would say yes. But anyway, you really shouldn't have to do this. Just make sure you attach it to a hero that you don't really need to be doing anything during yeah. the rounds. Um, but I did wonder if I could move it once I realised I made my mistake by putting it on to Dane. So that was step one. That that's I think you can move it, but actually just don't be a fool <laughs> and put it on the right hero in the first place. No comment. Um <laughs> <laughs> So the the next thing, I, the, there are two more 
things to discuss about abandoned tools and then beating this quest by using it. So um, you're using abandoned tools during the Escape from Darkness quest card. And the Escape from Darkness quest card, just to remind you, it says abandoned tools gains refresh action, exhaust attached hero to put a progress token on Escape from Darkness. Progress tokens cannot be placed on Escape from Darkness except by abandoned tools. If the players defeat the stage, they escape and win the game. Now, two things. One, if you have a way to ready a hero, you can do this multiple times during that refresh action. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah. I was using the Erebor Record Keeper to great aplomb. So yeah, yeah. I was managed to get three Erebor Record Keepers out. And as long as you've got the resources to keep readying the hero that, that had the abandoned tools, I believe it was Befu who had them, um, I was just readying him, exhausting him, because you don't exhaust the abandoned tools, you just exhaust the hero. Exhausting him, putting one progress on it, spending another resource for the Erebor Record Keeper, readying Biffa, exhausting him again, another. So within two rounds, it was done if I managed to get all three out. I think I managed to get two out two times. You, you could do it in one round if you had all three out. That's and right. Then, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you could exhaust in the first time. Yes, absolutely. You could. Yeah. But what I tended to be doing with the Arable Record Keeper um, is with one Arable Record Keeper, making sure you had your dwarf that was permanently exhausted, not permanently exhausted. So readying yeah. him after the fact so that during the next round, you had all your heroes ready. Yeah. And then, and then if you needed to use him, you could. Yeah, absolutely. So that was what I tended to be doing. And then having multiple level record keepers allowed me to keep doing it. But if you had um, unexpected courage, the same thing applies. But any way of readying your heroes is a great way of um, accelerating that last process of breaking free. So I heartily recommend that. That's my, that's my top tip. That's a good tip. Yeah, that's the top tip. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think unexpected courage... Airball yeah. record keeper. If you've got both of those things, boom, yeah. boom, boom, out you go. Sorted, out you go, out you pop. Yeah. Um, so that's my top tip. My rules clarification one, this I thought was going to be an easy peasy one, but apparently there was a massive debate about this back in the day. That's unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that is regards to what happens if you have an active location. And you are on the Escape from Darkness card. Mm-hmm. Because it states, once again, I'll say this is like the third time I've read it, uh, refresh action, exhaust attached hero to put a progress token on Escape from Darkness. Now, if you had an active location, where does that progress token go? The active location. Correct. Yeah. So y- you've you've nailed it. You've learned. Uh, that's clear. Uh, there was a very, very clear rule, wasn't there, about... Oh, that was a fact as well, wasn't it? If there's ever an active location and it tells you to put something on the quest card, it will yeah. always go on the active location. Absolutely. If there is one. Now, you, yeah, you've nailed it. And actually, we should just leave it at that. You mean, but basic- you mean, you mean I've got a rule, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that actually is unprecedented. There we go. <laughs> this break's been good for me, John. <laughs> but back when this was first asked, it got very confusing because because Nate French originally said exactly what you just said. It will always, unless a card says it bypasses, specifically bypasses the active location, Yeah. then that's the only time it bypasses the active location. 
Now, the, why this caused confusion is twofold. One, the quest card itself specifically names the card. Yeah, I was thinking that. If it just said the current quest, exactly. then there'd be no doubt, right? But Escape for Darkness is the current quest. Yeah, it's, yes, exactly. Exhaust attached hero to put a progress checkpoint on Escape from Darkness. Now, so a lot of people went, well, it says put it on this card. Yes, but the rules state if there's an active location, it always acts as a buffer yeah. unless it says bypass the card. Yeah. Even me, who who always wants to see the positive. Yeah. <laughs> so like that makes total sense to me, actually. And then why... And actually, when we're saying it out loud now, it's like, well, why, why was there any controversy? And the reason there's a controversy is that someone asked this question a few years later, I think, or a, couple, a year or so later. Um, and Caleb Grace, who was then the current head designer of the game, he actually said... Um, no, because it specifies the card, it um, oh. it goes directly on on the card. He forgot his own rule. <laughs> well, it was it was Nate French's rule, and then of course it's in the fact, and then all hell broke loose on the internet, and oh. then eventually he and eventually Caleb wrote back to the forums and said, "No, I absolutely didn't mean to yeah. sort of counter the original ruling, and absolutely it's in the fact." I think it's fact 1.26 from memory. That's actually genuinely from memory. So I, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> um, that it says wow. that if there's a, if, unless it says bypass, the active location always will get it. So if you are hacking your way through, and of course it makes sense. You're at somewhere. You're at this location and you might well be mining. You're not mining somewhere else. You've got to get through this location first. Yeah, to get back to where you're mining. Exactly. Um, but I would say, and again, this also makes thematic sense, if you do have an active location on this quest card, you can quest through it. You only need to use abandoned tools to get past this quest card. You can still quest oh, yeah, past yeah. the location. No, absolutely, yeah. They're two separate things. Yeah, so you can quest yeah. past the location, but you can't... If you were to overquest the location, those progress yeah. stickers are gone, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's totally how I understood that, yeah. Cool. Wow. This yeah. is this really is this really is a first. I'm I'm, I'm actually quite I should, what a ridiculous thing to be proud about, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't know. I've read your list of achievements, and I think this is uh, this is definitely something you should be proud of. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, <laughs> top five. <laughs> um. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, we kind of went a bit. Well, to be honest, I'm surprised surprised this wasn't more shambolic than it was bearing in mind how long we've been away from the game and even more so how long we've been away from podcasting but i think uh i think we did it i think we're there we're there so we finished the kazadun quests which yeah, think- uh, and actually i tell you no that that i think is also maybe one reason why i'm not i i think why i wasn't that enamored by this quest i think i'm a little bit done with escaping from Kazadun. Yeah, yeah. I think, to be honest, yeah, we spent a long time on these last three quests, and because of you know the other factors involved, it took us a long time. And yeah, we're we're now out. We're out in the open air. This oh. come out, become blinking into the sunlight out of the mines. With fresh air on our faces. The bird song in the trees. Everything yeah. from now is going to be lightness and cheer. Absolutely, you must have read Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> I must have. Actually, funnily enough, last night I was thinking about the book and this part of the book, and I was really struggling 
to remember. I remember a lot of Casa Doom, but I didn't the bit when they're actually escaping. I was found it really hard to recollect, and I think I always went back to what I saw in the films because that bit of the film is very iconic, I, I guess. Yeah. So I was I couldn't remember exactly what happened in there. I'm sure it's pretty similar to what happened in the film, but I was really I was really struggling to get that bit of the book back into my head. I must reread it. I don't know if you're saying that. I, I believe it is very similar to what's in the film because I do remember the choice of language because I believe it's like the hobbits wept. And I think that, I, I mean, I just, the use of the word wept is it's just a beautiful, a beautiful word. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> 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 yeah well you talk about after they'd come out yeah no because well because yeah. they're, they're of course yeah, yeah. They're, they're weeping for gander yeah yeah and uh yeah and i remember that it's like that that that's one of the things i love about lord of the rings is that there is heartbreak and pain yeah you know yeah. And, it, and it's there on the page you know it's it's yeah. you it's not just a throwaway um one of the companions has uh has fallen it it hurts yeah it's a big man the big one's gone. And almost certainly there's no way you can come back from that. No, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen again. <laughs> well, in my deck, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. Okay, well, as you, as you mentioned, that is the last quest of the Deluxe Box. So we will be moving on to the main cycle of the... Uh, Dwarodelf? Dwarodelf, yeah, the Dwarodelf yeah, cycle. God, I can't be remembering this. <laughs> hey, you're on fire tonight. I know, what's going, what's going on? <laughs> We're back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. Um, which means that we will finally be uh, discussing player cards again. I think that's, 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 that's next on the agenda. Um, which means that we don't really necessarily have to go away and play, which means that hopefully... We can record again quite soon. And I think for all our listenership, if you have stuck with us during this time away, it's the least we can do is to try and burn out a couple of episodes for you. So fingers crossed, all being well, we will get that recorded sooner rather than later and give you something fun to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, unless you have anything else to say about uh, this question about... Oh, yeah. Abandoned tools. No, I don't no. Really, sorry. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've abandoned that line of questioning. Let's let's move on. <laughs> you tool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've often referred to myself as an abandoned tool many times. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us before the next episode, there are several ways you can do so. If I can remember them, we. You can get no straight away. You can get in touch with us directly via email, which is uh, latertherings at gmail.com. You can contact us via Twitter, which is at latertherings. And there is the Board Game Geek thread, which, as ever, I'll put a link to in the show notes. So, with that, all it leaves me to say is it's great to be back. And thanks once again for listening. So, until next time, take care out there and goodbye. Bye. Bye.